Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. It's our 719th day together in the Word of God, and we are <clears throat> in the wonderful book of Isaiah, Isaiah 34. Just passed halfway through this book of 66 uh, chapters, and uh, so 33 was the halfway point. Now we're in the officially in the second half, although literarily or structurally, we don't get to the second half of Isaiah until chapter 40. So let's pray and ask the Lord's help as we look at Isaiah 34 together this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this book of Isaiah. Thank you so much for your word, every chapter of it that we've been through. Thank you for continuing to teach us and grow us, stretch us, challenge us. Father, would you change us by your Spirit's work through the Word as you write it on our hearts and as you show us more of Jesus and make us more like him. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah 34. Draw near, O nations, to hear, and give attention, O peoples. Let the earth hear and all that fills it, the world and all that comes from it, for the Lord is enraged against all the nations and furious against all their hosts. He has devoted them to destruction. He has given them over to slaughter. Their slain shall be cast out and the stench of their corpses shall rise. The mountains shall flow with their blood. All the host of heaven shall rot away and the skies roll up like a scroll. All their host shall fall as leaves fall from the vine, like leaves falling from a fig tree. For my sword has drunk its full, its fill in the heavens. Behold, it descends for judgment upon Edom, upon the people I have devoted to destruction. The Lord has a sword. It is sated with blood. It is gorged with fat, with the blood of lambs and goats, with the fat of kidneys of rams, for the Lord has a sacrifice in Basra, a great slaughter in the land of Edom. Wild oxen shall fall with them, and young steers with the mighty bulls. The land shall drink its fill of blood, and their soil shall be gorged with fat. For the Lord has a day of vengeance, a year of recompense for the cause of Zion. And the streams of Edom shall be turned into pitch, and her soil into sulfur. Her land shall become burning pitch. Night and day it shall not be quenched. Its smoke shall go up forever. From generation to generation it shall lie waste. None shall ever pass through it forever and ever. But the hawk and the porcupine shall possess it. The owl and the raven shall dwell in it. He shall stretch the line of confusion over it and the plumb line of emptiness. Its nobles, there is no one there to call it a kingdom, and all its princes shall be nothing. Thorns shall grow over its strongholds, nettles and thistles in its fortresses. It shall be the haunt of jackals and abode for ostriches, and wild animals shall meet with hyenas. The wild goat shall cry to his fellow. Indeed, there the night bird settles and finds for herself a resting place. There the owl nests and lays, and hatches and gathers her young in her shadow. Indeed, there the hawks are gathered, each one with her mate, 
Seek and read from the book of the Lord. Not one of these shall be missing. None shall be without her mate, for the mouth of the Lord has commanded, and his spirit has gathered them. He has cast the lot for them. His hand has portioned it out to them with the line. They shall possess it forever. From generation to generation, they shall dwell in it. Isaiah 34. Isaiah 34 is a call to all nations, right? But God is summoning all the nations to hear a word of judgment against the land of Edom. So let's look at that. The opening call is for all nations and all peoples to come and hear. There's this big misconception in the world about the Bible. And I get this even when I go to Uganda and talk to some of our brothers over there and some of the accusations they get from people who don't believe the Bible really. Uh, they say, say the Old Testament is just about Israel. And you can't really believe or receive anything from the Old Testament because it's not for you. It's written for Israel. But from the very beginning, from the opening line of Scripture, where we read, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, the Lord has been the Lord, the sovereign one over all the earth. While he has a covenant people, Israel, in the Old Testament, and a covenant people, the church, in the New Testament, which is actually the same one covenant people, the same uh, olive tree, to use imagery from Isaiah and from uh, uh, Romans 11. Um, so it's it's all one people. It, it, it's always a message that is through his people to the nations, right? So here is the nations, because God is calling everyone to come to him and to hear him and to receive his word. Now, the Lord is enraged against all the nations, verse 2 says. He's furious against all their host. He's devoted them to destruction. He's given them over for slaughter. So Edom is going to be put forward here as sort of next on God's list of nations to be cursed, but he wants all nations to hear it because God is enraged against all the nations. And this gets to this theme of judgment. And a lot of people ask, well, why is God so angry? Here's a great Old Testament passage, right? You get this, the slain and the stench and the blood and the sword and it's sated with blood. And they say, see, here's the God of the Old Testament who is full of wrath, full of anger. He's angry at everybody. He's like the grumpiest guy in the world. Well, the whole thing is you got to step back a little bit and say, okay, don't judge God by human standards. God accommodates himself to human understanding by speaking in a way that we can understand with imagery that we can relate to. So God condescends to reveal himself in ways that are relatable to us. But that doesn't mean that we can therefore be in a position to judge God as though somehow we have all of the knowledge that God has or understand everything that God understands so that we could be in a position to pass judgment on his actions. So that's step one. You got to step back and realize I'm not in a position to judge God. And then you're ready for step two, which is listen to what God has revealed throughout the whole scope of his word about himself, about people, about the world, right? Why is God enraged against all the nations? Because all of the nations are in active, deliberate 
willful rebellion against God and have filled God's good world with evil. People are corrupt. We don't want to believe this. Our, our culture and even, even we Christians in the back of our mind want to believe that people are basically good, that if you give them a chance, they'll do the right thing, that if, you know, if only we had more education, if only we had more technology, excuse me, technology, if only we had, right? No, 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 no. People are entirely corrupt in our nature. As God said before he flooded the whole world back in Genesis chapter 6, the only thought and intention of the heart of man is only evil continually from birth. We are evil. We are selfish. We care about ourselves. We don't care about God. We don't care about other people. We want what we want, and we're willing to do almost anything to get what we want. You can see this rage uh, even in the eyes of a little baby. Oh, is the pastor saying that babies are sinful? Yes, babies are sinful. They, they, When they want something, they can get intensely angry. Oh, the poor baby has no other way to communicate its needs. Yes, I understand that. But the anger in the eyes of a baby when it's demanding something is a reflection that there's something very corrupt in their nature. We are sinful from birth. The heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all else. Who can know it? There is no one good, not even one. Everybody is born vile and corrupt. And so when God looks down on his creation that he made, on people that he made in his image that he sustains day by day, and he sees murder, envy, rape, bribery, you know, slavery, abortion, pervert, perverted sexuality, uh, just all sorts of corruption. The things that people do, the things that people refuse to do, the, the, the world is out of line with God's will in a deep and fundamental way. And that's why judgment is absolutely right. It is absolutely just. You know, it's, 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 Sometimes when we watch a, a dystopian movie or we read a dystopian novel and we hear about this really distorted and corrupt and messed up society with tyrannical power and oppression of people and we think somebody needs to do something to just change this, just to overthrow it, just to cast it down. And don't we understand that is what the world is like from God's perspective. The world is a vile and messed up place. And what the world deserves is the judgment of God. And so God's God connects judgment here in verses 6 and 7 with sacrifice because the idea of a sacrifice is that it's a picture of what we deserve. So when an animal is cut up and burned on the fire in the sacrifice, that is supposed to be a picture to all of us to say that is what we deserve. It's our sin. The animal didn't do anything wrong other than it's affected by the fall, right? But we deserve that. And so if God goes out into a land like Edom, which here is an example of what all nations deserve, that's why all nations are called to see what Edom is suffering. When God goes out to Edom and it's like a sacrifice because he's carrying out on them 
what they deserve, just like would be carried out on a sacrifice. And it's a time of vengeance. It's a time of wrath. And you understand verse 8, because God has summoned all nations to hear this. For the Lord has a day of vengeance, a year of recompense for the cause of Zion. Two things here. One is, there is a coming day of vengeance to the whole world. Edom is a foreshadowing. Edom is an example. Edom is a case study of what the world deserves. And there is a day of vengeance coming at the end of history when all nations will be judged. That's why all nations are summoned to witness this judgment. The second thing to note is that it's a recompense for the cause of Zion. Number one on the list of things that God will punish the nations for is their opposition to his kingdom, his cause, his people. The fact that the world violently opposes the kingdom of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the, the people of God, the church of Jesus Christ, the fact that that's what the world opposes is exactly the reason why God is going to come and judge. So the worst thing that the world could do is to stand in opposition to the people of God, persecuting Christians, burning down churches, outlawing the gospel. This is happening all over the world. You understand there are dozens of nations all around the world. Most of them are Muslim majority nations where it is illegal to evangelize. It is illegal to try to share the gospel with someone who is a Muslim where churches are regularly burned. There's extremist Hindu mobs in India. There's extremist Muslim groups all around the world who firebomb, attack, arrest, imprison, torture, kill Christian people for being Christian people. And that is number one on God's list of things he's going to come and judge the world for. Now, the judgment on Edom, the rest of this language in this chapter, very detailed description is going to be so thorough that it's not even going to be a kingdom anymore. There will be some people living there, but there will be so few people living there that everything's going to sort of go back to being wild. And in fact, even, even the, the animals will suffer. Wild animals shall meet with hyenas. The wild goat will cry to his fellow. Uh, that's, that means that even the animals will suffer at terrorizers like jackals. You've ever seen a pack of jackals hunt at night? It's a it's a scary thing to watch if you were the victim of that, right? It's it's frightening. So there's a there's such a thorough judgment, um, and what what God is calling the people of the world to do is wake up and pay attention, see what is going to happen when it happens, watch it closely. Because this is indeed what you deserve. Now, that sobering news of judgment is good for us to hear because it is the backdrop against which the story of Jesus shines so brightly and so brilliantly. The whole world deserves to suffer the fate of Edom in Isaiah 34. But instead... God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son 
so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's John 3.60. Or Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, while we deserved Isaiah 34 judgment, Christ died for us. It's Romans 5.8. Or 2 Corinthians 5.21, for God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that through him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus was cursed on the cross. He became sin for us. He suffered and died in our place so that we might be forgiven. We might not perish but have everlasting life. We might become the righteousness of God, not because we deserve it, but because it's given to us freely as a gift. That shows us understanding that Isaiah 34 is deserved justice helps us to understand the grace, the abundant, amazing grace of the gospel. That God would so love, God would so give, God would so pour out everything, his own son, for us and for our salvation. How can we reject that gospel and how will anyone endure judgment if they reject such a gospel let's pray father we love you we thank you for giving us your son we confess to you openly without excuse that we deserve your judgment we're selfish we're sinful we're wayward we're stubborn we're greedy, we're calculating, we're cruel. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the forgiveness that flows from the cross. Thank you for your spirit who applies Christ to us and changes us. Continue the work you've begun in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, that's Isaiah 34. Tomorrow we're going to go to a very, very different chapter from Isaiah 34 and the message of wrath and judgment. We're going to go to Luke 24 and the glory of the resurrection. So I hope you can join me for that tomorrow. Have a blessed day in the Lord.